0: This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleameccom slash donate. Thank you for listening. Yesterday at the closing worship service of the Fall Convocation held in Philadelphia, the Right Reverend Frederick A. Wright Sr., the presiding bishop, of the 20th Episcopal District of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, preached a message titled, What's Your Jericho? It was preached from the text that was read earlier, Joshua, the fifth chapter, and the 13th through the 15th verse. In his message, he stated metaphorically that Jericho is an unusual kind of problem and that everyone in life faces some kind of Jericho. As a matter of fact, in order to get to your destiny, he quipped, you must conquer your Jericho, whatever your Jericho might be. For example, David had to conquer a Jericho named Goliath. Elijah had to conquer a Jericho named Jezebel and John the Baptist had to conquer a Jericho by the name of Herod, and so on. The Jericho problem, he shared, is the kind of problem that when you face it, it is something that you might never have seen before, and it's the kind of problem where all strategies and all techniques and all methods might not work. Now the reason I'm sharing this with you certainly is not to preach the message that he preached, but. There is something in the text that struck me that I couldn't easily let go of. Mm -hmm. Turn with me again to Joshua, the 5th chapter, the 13th through the 15th verse, and let's see if we can catch it. I'm reading from the New International Version, which reads as follows. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. It is true from the text, and according to Bishop Wright, that when we face the various Jerichos in our lives, number one, we have the promise of divine help. Number two, we must also keep our focus on God. And number three, that we must maintain our worship. However, the thing that is most striking to me in the text is not that Joshua exercised great wisdom in the presence of the commander of the army of the Lord, but that there is a reason why the commander of the army of the Lord was there in the first place. And it is with this in mind that I thought to preach a message which I've titled quite simply, Standing on Holy Ground. Let us pray. Eternal God our Father in the name of Jesus Christ, For all of us who have now come and assembled here, whether in the sanctuary or even online, help us to not take this moment and this opportunity for granted. For we are indeed standing on holy ground. Father, we don't often know what your plans are for us. And certainly, Lord, we cannot figure it out. For your plans and your thoughts and your ways are not ours. And so, Father, we depend on you every minute, every moment of every day. Now speak to us, O God. Speak to us, O God, a word that we need right now in this season. Give us manna from heaven. Feed us till we want no more. And Lord, if you do this, we will be very careful not to brag or to boast about anything about how good we are, but that we will endeavor to boast how great you are. For you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah, you are Jehovah God. And so, Father, as your presence is now yet with us, speak, Lord, for your children are listening. This we pray in Jesus' holy name. And the church all over the world, we say amen, 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 and amen. By way of context, Jericho was the first major city that the Israelites overcame after Joshua became leader of the Israelites after the death of Moses. It was an important victory because it would serve to establish the validity of Joshua's leadership in the eyes of the people. For years, the people knew God was with Moses. So now Moses was dead, and the people would need confirmation that that same God who was with Moses was now with Joshua. So when the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, it was a sign that God was still with Israel and that Joshua was now God's new champion. But before the dramatic destruction of Jericho, Joshua had an encounter. According to the text, Joshua was met by a figure or a man holding a drawn sword. This figure announced himself as being the commander of the army of the Lord. And in obedience, the text tells us, Joshua bowed low to await his orders. From a military standpoint, church, the orders that this commander gave Joshua were absolutely ridiculous on face value. Joshua's orders, if you read the text, was that he was to let the people march around the city of Jericho once a day for six days, and on these marches, no one was to make a sound. Then on the seventh day, the people was to march around seven times on that day, and after they receive a special signal, they would then shout and the text tells us that the walls would come tumbling down. All of the Jericho would be destroyed except for Rahab the harlot who had once given shelter to the spies. Nothing was to be spared. No booty was to be taken. And everything, and I mean everything, was to be destroyed. Now to be real, I'm of the mindset that Joshua might have had some trepidation giving such orders i know for a fact that i would be and i'm even sure that the israelite army and the people might have felt a little foolish hearing joshua this wannabe moses giving these people this crazy kind of order but joshua obeyed and the people did so as well and the city was taken so in a nutshell Joshua was obedient to a ridiculous order, and the people followed him, and God delivered Jericho into their hands. Jericho, this unique kind of problem that we face, when we face it, it is something that we might never have seen before. But it's a kind of problem where old strategies and old techniques and old methods will not work. It's almost like we're now in this pandemic season where we've never seen anything like this. A problem we've never seen before. And yet we are sometimes trying to figure out if the old methods, the old strategies, the old techniques are going to work for such a time as this. Speaking biblically, my brothers and sisters, to overcome your various Jerichos, sometimes you need to be obedient to the foolish commands of God. Unusual problems, it seems, require unusual methods. That's the context of the story. But to get to where I want to go, let's revisit the the text at verse 13a where it says, listen carefully, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. As I stated before, Jericho is symbolic of some kind of challenge that we face in our lives, the kind of challenge that we probably have never seen before, which calls for an unusual approach in order to deal with it. Jericho also represents symbolically the world and its entire system of government wrought with its various injustices, idolatry, immorality, and indulgences. It was a city of pagan unbelief and a symbol of human irresponsibility. In short, everything about Jericho is everything that is anti-God. But somewhere between you and your ability to overcome and conquer this Jericho is where you have an important encounter, which brings me to my first point, the nearness of Jericho. The text says, now when Joshua was near Jericho. (laughs) The proximity of Joshua to the city of Jericho is the first very important piece of information in the text. It's, It's important because whenever you get to the place where you can see your promise, it is very easy to believe that you have all that you need in order to take it. We often say, if I can see it, then I can achieve it which for the most part can be quite true on some level however the challenge and the temptation arises when you start to believe in your own ability and in your own strength uh-huh. Joshua was a five-star general Joshua was Moses' understudy. Joshua had crossed over the Jordan River with a mighty demonstration of God's power. Joshua was now confident. Joshua was competent. Joshua was ready to take Jericho. And like the Jordan River, which Joshua saw and overcame, Joshua can now see Jericho because it was near. The nearness of Jericho is the place of your greatest trial as well as your greatest temptation. It is a place that can either make or break your destiny and your promise. The nearness of Jericho is the spiritual place between your pride and your humility. In other words, the nearness of Jericho, the nearness of Jericho is the place of choice and quite often it is in your mind. To be near Jericho means that you have an awareness of the goodness of God that got you through some of life's most difficult and greatest challenges. And because of that, you therefore believe that if God delivered you one way, then he will do it again for you the same way. This is the mistake that many well-meaning Christians make who then turn around and wonder why it seems that God has forsaken them when the real truth is that God never forsook you. You have actually forsaken God by the choices that you have made. Now, while God will always seek to deliver you and I from trouble, you must seek the Lord always for every single battle in your life. Why? Because every battle that you and I face, whether you think you are ready for it or not, is not yours, but the Lord's. Whenever you get to the place in your life where you are thinking that I got this, or I can do this. You need to recognize that you are at the edge of your greatest challenge, which to be honest is not really Jericho, but instead your ego and your pride at work. It is a place where temptations come, and it is always when you are near your destiny. So Joshua's first step in winning the battle of Jericho began when he recognized his own temptation. Next, we have the presence of God. Now Joshua was standing at the brink of his destiny. And at the edge, he looked up and was met by the commander of the army of the Lord, which is, by the way, a euphemism for God's presence. Let's revisit the text. Verse 13, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand, Joshua went up and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Yeah. Neither, he replied. But as commander of the Lord, the army of the Lord, I have now come. The commander of the army of the Lord met Joshua and the text tells us that his sword was drawn. Drawn. Like the nearness of Jericho, this is another important piece of information that we are given in this text. Church, the fact that the sword was drawn meant that the commander of the army of the Lord was ready to strike Joshua down if he dared try to take Jericho I don't know if you're hearing me but the army the, the the commander of the Lord's army was ready to strike Joshua down if he dared to take Jericho how do I know this pastor how do you know this well number one you don't draw a sword unless you're ready to fight
1: you don't draw a sword
0: unless you're ready to fight but number two when Joshua asked Are you for us or for our enemies? The response was neither. Whoa, 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 Pastor. Neither. Wait a second. Did you hear that? Neither. Here we have Joshua leading the Israelites as God's champion and as God has commanded him to take the promised land. And now the commander of the army of the Lord is ready to strike him down. What are we to make of this? Well, I think the answer lies into two truths. Number one, hear me, church. God is no respecter of person. As Peter declared in the book of Acts chapter 10 after meeting with with Cornelius the Gentile, Peter stated, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right that's number one but number two watch this church and don't miss this doing things your way raises up God's army against you doing things your way raises up God's army against you This means that sometimes when things don't work out in your life and does not work out for you, it's not always because the devil is against you, it just might be that God is not for you. Don't miss that. But the other interesting thing that we must not miss is that scripture always lets us know that a sword is symbolic for the word of God. Why? for the word of god is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart joshua was in a spiritual battle for his ego and the sword of the word the sword of the lord symbolizes god's word and god's Presence and God's presence, my brothers and sisters, hear me, will always come when you need direction and guidance. But you must be careful because God shows favoritism or partiality to no one, especially those who are in disobedience and wanting to do things their own way. So, whenever you get to the place in your life where you are thinking, I got this, or I can do this. You need to recognize that not only are you at the edge of your greatest challenge, but also that your ego just might be taking you against the will of God for your life. So Joshua's second step in winning the battle at Jericho came when he recognized that even if you are on a mission from God, God's presence will let you know that he ain't no respecter of person. Finally, finally, number three, the Lord's proclamation. Now when Joshua heard that the commander of the Lord's army was neither for the Israelites nor for the Canaanites in Jericho, Joshua, the text says, immediately bowed and asked for a word. Look again at the text. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? Joshua needed a word from the Lord, which is the most important thing that you can get when you come to the valley of decision. When you come to the place where it seems like the mountain is too high to climb, when the river is too wide to cross, when the storms of life are raging out of control, when the doctor says there is nothing more that can be done, when the judge says this was the third strike. When you are down to your last nickel and the bill is due, when the college has to be paid for, when the water, the heat, or the electricity is about to be cut off. When 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 you don't know what's wrong with your baby, when you got when you when you lost your job, when he or she left, I could go on and on and on, but I think you get the picture. When you get to the place where the bottom of your barrel has fallen out, you need a word from the Lord you don't need to hear cliches or motivational speeches you need a word from the Lord and not just any word you need the right word for, the, for with the right word you can overcome any battle any challenge, any Jericho, any problem or any issue so in a similar way so in a similar way with a different mindset when you get to the place in your life where you are thinking, I can't do this or I don't think I'm gonna make it. You need to recognize that you are at the edge of your greatest challenge, but also that you are exactly at the place where you need a word from the Lord. For with one word, God can change and transform your life and your circumstances. With one word, God can turn your darkness into light. With one word, God can make the dead live again. With one word, God can save even those who we think we are lost. One word! So Joshua's third and final step in winning the battle at Jericho came when he got a word from the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, all that I've shared with you regarding Joshua's encounter was designed to get you to the ultimate place where I want to go and take you in this message. And it's the place of why I've titled this message, the place of what it means to be standing Mm -hmm. on holy ground. One more time, and I've been reading the text over and over for a reason. Let me read it one more time. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, Mm -hmm. he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked, what message does my Lord have for his servant? In other words, I need a word. The commander of the Lord's army replied, before I even give you a word, take off your sandals for the place you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I love verse 15. The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. This is not the first time that we are seeing this kind of message come to one of God's servants. You may recall in Exodus the third chapter and the fifth verse when God called out to Moses from the midst of the burning bush. And when Moses replied, God said, do not come any closer. Take off the sandals for the place you are standing is holy ground. Brothers and sisters, when God gave Moses these instructions, the very same conditions that we see with Joshua is also being applied. But Moses and Joshua had to take off their sandals because they were standing in a place that was sacred and consecrated, set apart for God and God's purposes. It is the place brothers and sisters, where your calling in life takes a new turn and the place where you must make a choice to either serve God Or serve yourself. It is the place, the valley of decision, the place which is holy ground. So, in the context of all that I've shared about Joshua's encounter, here's the rub. What's the bottom line, preacher? You're doing a lot of talking. What does all this mean, preacher? Well, number one, when you're near your destiny, you're standing on holy ground. Number two, whenever you are in the presence of God, you are standing on holy ground. And number three, wherever the Lord's message is proclaimed, you are standing on holy ground. And to make it plain and to be practical, you are always, hear me church, you are always standing on holy ground when you come into the house of of the Lord are in the building of this church. You are standing on holy ground when you visit the sick and the brokenhearted, whether in a hospital room or anywhere they find themselves. You are on holy ground. You are standing on holy ground when you care for the least of these and you feed the homeless in the street you are on holy ground you are on holy ground standing on holy ground when your mind is stayed on Jesus no matter what things may look like and most of all most of all you are standing on holy ground whenever you call on the name of Jesus. When you call on the name of Jesus and accept him into your heart, your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if the love and presence of God dwells within you, then your heart and your mind becomes God's holy ground. For we have this treasure. In earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us we are troubled on every side yet not destroyed we are perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken cast down and not destroyed always bearing in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in your bodies and mine. So I say to you today, my brothers and my sisters, as you draw near to your Jericho, whatever your Jerichos might be, and the commander of the Lord's army stands before you, here's what I say, take off the sandals off of your feet. Take off the sandals of the baggage of your disappointing past and where you have been. Take off the sandals of the things that constantly keep your mind and your heart in bondage. Take off the sandals off of your feet of the missed opportunities and the failed endeavors. But also, take off the sandals of your feet as a sign of reverence for God. Take off the sandals As a sign of humility to your king. And take off the sandals. As a sign of respect. For our Lord. But most of all church. Most of all. Take off the sandals. As a sign of your worship. To the living God. For. For. The place. You are standing. Right now. Or even sitting. For the place where you are is holy ground. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.